This is for a boy between 9 and 11. I'm in a place called Katakosh, just outside of Mosul. This is a, a church that was completely destroyed uh, by ISIS. As we were coming through, one of our team uh, discovered one of the Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes. I don't know who gave it, who sent it, but uh, it touched the life of a child at one point. And of course, we ask people when they pack a box to always pray. You never know where that box will go. Where are the lost? Where are the hardest to get to people groups? Where has the gospel of Jesus not been preached and proclaimed? In Acts 13, 47, for so the Lord has commanded us saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. We live in a broken world, an evil world. Yet Jesus gave us orders. He said, go into the world and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have a job to do. When we talk about going to the ends of the earth, we're talking about shoebox gifts that are taking the gospel to the hardest to reach areas of the world. If you want to bring hope to a broken society, it's the gospel. An Operation Christmas Child is not about passing out toys, it's about the gospel. Each kid, when they receive that box, they're gonna hear the presentation of the gospel clearly. They make a decision for Christ, and then they're trained and equipped to go out and share their faith with others. And many times in areas where it's an unreached people group, the Bible tells us the time is now. We're in the South Pacific. I want to reach these islands for Christ. These are poor areas. People don't have any hope. People don't come here. There's no tourists here, but we're gonna be here. I'm right outside of Mazlan, Mexico, about six hour drive up in the mountains with Operation Christmas Child. This is where people that are brave are taking Operation Christmas Child to the ends of the earth. We need boxes that are packed by families, by churches and groups, but we also need boxes that are packed online. When you build a shoebox online, these are the boxes that give us access into hard to reach places of the world. We go at great lengths, great effort, to take these boxes to children in the most remote parts of the world. It's an incredible journey. You know, the mission of Operation Christmas Child never changes. Children are coming to Jesus. Children are coming to faith. Children are being discipled. And children are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth.
I'm Robert Britt with West Stanley Christian Ministries, and we are about to enter our absolute busiest time of the year. We're heading towards the holiday season, and that means we're getting geared up for our annual day of giving, and an event where we 
uh, provide Christmas uh, toys and gifts for families in the area that have need. This year we have a huge ask, a big ask that we're asking uh, various churches to partner with us with, and I've got some friends here to tell you all about that, and so here they are now. Hey, I'm Brian Bolding, the pastor at Bethel Baptist in Locust. I'm Jesse Herring, the pastor of Red Cross Baptist Church in Oakboro. I'm Jeremy Hyde, the lead pastor of Mission Baptist Church in Locust. I'm Tommy Ross, the pastor of First Baptist Church of Locust. I'm Jonathan Waits, I'm the pastor at First Baptist Oakboro. It goes without saying that families are struggling to make ends meet more this year than in the last few years, and, and we've all seen how the price of groceries has gone up. That's why we're excited to join together with five other churches in western Stanley County to support the Day of Giving this December. The Day of Giving is a Christmas outreach for local families without means to provide Christmas gifts for their children. The Day of Giving is held every December through a great work of the West Stanley Christian Ministry. The goal is for our churches to collectively raise $20,000 to provide a large piece of the puzzle for the day of giving. And any money that we raise above $20,000 will also help West Haley Christian Ministry with other costs associated with this day of outreach. Jesus said in Matthew 10 that freely we have received and freely we should give. What better way to show our thanks to God for what we have been blessed to receive Together, we can all, in some way, be a blessing to those who are less fortunate this Christmas season. Let's do this together. 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 Wow, I am so thankful for these pastors and their leadership in this community. You guys are blessed to have the folks that you've got behind the pulpits in your churches. I'm so excited to see where we go with this and how we uh, take this event even further. If you want more information about how to get plugged into the Day of Giving, how to volunteer, how to give, how to bring a toy donation, don't hesitate to call us at 704-888-6406. Talk to one of our staff and find out how you can get involved. Merry Christmas. God bless you. And thank you for all that you do in this community. Our church has an opportunity to pastor, uh, to partner, excuse me, with those other churches and make a difference. And so I hope that uh, you'll uh, pray about what God would have you to give and that we're collecting the, that uh, donations throughout the month of November. You can drop it in the, the same box with the offering. Just make sure that somewhere on either the check or on the envelope you put it in that it's marked that it's for the day of giving. And uh, 100% of that money goes to West Stanley Christian Ministries to help them with this great outreach event. Good morning. It's good to see you. Hey, uh, thank you for being here today. And I want to welcome those of you that are our special guests. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, our prayer is that uh, God will use our time together today to be a blessing to you in some way. Uh, and and our, our goal is that when we walk out of here today that we can all say, man, it's been good to be in the house of the Lord today. I hope that uh, you received a bulletin or picked up a bulletin on the way in. Uh, all the announcements in there are extremely important. There's just a couple that I want to make sure that I highlight. One being that next Sunday, uh, we're bringing back, uh, and we'll call it on a trial run. How's that? The Thanksgiving lunch. Uh, we used to do this every uh, year on the Sunday before Thanksgiving where we would have a lunch together after service and enjoy a time of fellowship together. We're going to bring that back next Sunday. 
the church will be providing the, uh, the meat for that event. But we're asking all of those who wish to come and participate to bring the side dishes. And please don't forget the desserts. We want to make sure we add those too. Uh, but we're going to enjoy a time of fellowship together after worship service uh, next Sunday. And we hope that you'll pray about being a part of that. The other thing that I wanted to uh, draw your attention to is that uh, the Operation Christmas Child drop-off schedule. That begins tomorrow. Uh, so uh, thank you for everyone who has brought the boxes in thus far. Uh, our goal is 200. We're at 116. So uh, we need 84 more boxes. Now here's the good news, okay? If you have been planning to, to uh, pack a shoebox and you just haven't gotten around to it yet, you can pack it this week and bring it to our church during one of the times that's listed in your bulletin. Uh, this drop-off will take place in our youth building, which is the building directly behind us. Uh, out in the parking lot there, you'll see that, the newer building. And you can bring and uh, your box there and drop it off. Just, uh, just let us know. Make sure whoever's picking your box up knows that it's for First Baptist Church of Locust. Also, we need your help. Every year, well, I shouldn't say every year. Last year was our first year, but again, this year, uh, we have uh, bukus of people. How do you like that good accounting word? That bring their boxes from their various churches, from their organizations, from their families, and they drop them off here. And uh, as a drop-off point, we package all of these shoe boxes in cases and take them to the center where they're processed. But we need your help in packing those boxes. Uh, last year, we, we had the largest U-Haul box truck that you can rent, and we packed it absolutely full with all the cases of shoe boxes that people dropped off at our church. So we need your help in doing that. Uh, there are two primary times where we just literally have no one that's helping us, and we need your help. One, uh, if you look in your bulletin, you'll notice that on November 16th, that's a Wednesday, from 6 until 8 p.m. that afternoon, uh, we need help then. We don't have anyone other than those who are uh, coordinating the event helping pack boxes that afternoon. So we need your help. Uh, you can sign up here at the front if you want to do that. Also, on Monday, November 21st, uh, from 9 until 11 a.m., that's the last day of collection. So not only are we packing the cases full of shoeboxes, but we've got to load the U-Haul truck that day. So we need all the help we can get. And if you would be willing to help any of these days, but especially those two days, the sign-up sheets are on the very front pew to my right, your left. And at the end of service today, you can come by and put your name down that you would be willing to help. Maybe you can only help for an hour. Maybe you can only help for 30 minutes. Any help you give will be very greatly appreciated. So help us out with that, if you will. I think Brandon had a real quick announcement. And let me turn this on for you, brother. There you go. Good morning, everyone. Uh, just want to extend an arm invitation to everyone on Sunday nights. Um, at 5 o'clock in the fellowship hall, uh, my discipleship group that went through the discipleship's pathway, um, we came to the end of our time together and, and we enjoyed our time together. We wanted to stay connected 
with one another. So we've transformed into a Bible study. And so every Sunday night at 5 o'clock, we meet in the fellowship hall um, just to get into the Word. And it's a great time of encouragement. It's a great time to keep accountability with each other. It's a great time to grow in grace together. Um, I learn just as much as everyone else. Um, So I want to encourage you, come to um, our Bible study, join a discipleship group, um, look for a place to get plugged in because we need each other and we need to to grow together. And if you're looking for a place to get plugged in, I'd be more than willing to help you find a place where you can get plugged in. Thank you. And uh, Brandon is currently serving as our lay minister of discipleship for our church. And so uh, he's a great person to talk to to find out how you can get plugged in. Uh, we're getting ready to end some discipleship classes uh, that are going on right now. Uh, his will be ongoing at 5 o'clock. But then we'll be starting a new Step 1 class in January. So if you want to be a part of that, let us know. Thank you again for being here. God bless you. Let's take just a moment to pray together uh, because we've uh, got a special day today. Today is uh, the day we're honoring our, our military veterans And uh, it's a day when we want to say thank you to the men and women who have uh, served our country. So we'll do that in just a little while. But let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be in this house of worship. We thank you, Lord, that you have assembled us here uh, on this Lord's Day. And God, we know that there are some who came into this building today and uh, it's just been a hard week. They've had to struggle through this week and fight their way through this week and And, Lord, today they just come to this place to find healing, to find encouragement. And we pray, Father, that during our time together, as we fellowship, as we pray, as we sing, as we study your word, that truly they will be encouraged. Lord, we know that there's others who come in this building today. It's just been a a phenomenal week. Everything's fallen into place. They've been truly blessed through this week. And today they come to celebrate. And I pray, Father, that we will celebrate with them the goodness that you have poured out upon their life. And, Lord, that we will, we will be able to join with them in their, in their time of rejoicing for what you have done. Lord, whatever the need may be in every heart today, you know what it is. And we pray, Father, that during our time together that our hearts will be open toward heaven, that our ears will be in tune with the Holy Spirit, that those needs will be met. But most of all, Lord, our purpose for being here today is to declare your greatness, to declare that you are worthy of our adoration. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of all honor and glory. And we pray that today, while we have fellowshiped already and we will continue to do so, and while we sing today and while we study your word today, that our heart will be filled with that worship, that declaration that you are our God and you are worthy of our praise. God us in our time together today, Lord, is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You served when others were hesitant to answer the call and when your friends stayed home, you served. Mile after mile, day after day, you became the best you could be, so freedom could count on you. You served. When our nation needed you the most, you were there. You sacrificed months without your family. You missed birthdays, anniversaries, holidays. You served. 
when you laced up your boots for the last time, we welcomed you back with pride. You're among us, humbly knowing you've lived another life of courage and sacrifice. Never asking for praise, never asking for thanks. You served. This Veterans Day, we honor you. We thank you for your courage and for your dedication. This past Friday was the day that was observed on the calendar as Veterans Day, but we would be remiss if we didn't take a moment on this Sunday to pause to say thank you to all of the men and women who have uh, served our country and are serving our country even now. Uh, We appreciate the sacrifice of your time, your energy, uh, the, the fact that you were willing to go and put yourself in harm's way so that the freedoms that we enjoy as a nation can be protected. Uh, I want to, before we begin recognizing the various branches of our military, and uh, that what we'll do is ask as we call each branch for those men and women who have served in that branch or are serving in that branch to please stand. But before we do that, I want, to, I want to just take a moment to remember those who are currently part of our church family that are uh, serving in the military. Uh, most of them are not able to be with us today because they are in some type of active duty and are serving in their various capacities. But I, I don't want us to forget to uh, honor Dylan Dale, Chris Lyons, Daniel Kerr, Jeremy Honeycutt, Caleb McCoy, Julia Robinson, Corey uh, Logston, uh, Jared McGee, Dustin Gatz, uh, all of these who are currently uh, active in our military and serving our country. And we don't want to forget those folks because most of them, like I said, are not able to be in this room with us right now. Uh, so they're not going to be able to stand when, uh, when we call the different branches in just a moment. But please... Uh, Take a moment to uh, whisper a prayer of safety and a prayer of thank you for those uh, who are part of our church and serving. So at this time, we want to honor the uh, veterans who are uh, in our uh, congregation this morning. And so uh, I'm going to just uh, call the different branches of our military, and we're going to ask that if you have served in that branch or are serving in that branch, if you would, to please stand so that we can honor you today. Uh, We'll begin with the United States Navy. Do we have anyone who is a veteran of the United States Navy? If you would please stand so that we can honor you. Uh, We have one. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Uh, Do we have any veterans with us today who are... Uh, were part and served in the United States Army. If you would, please stand so that we can recognize you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Uh, Do we have anyone with the United States Marines that has served in our Marine Corps? If you would stand. 
Anyone with us? Not today? All right, very good. Uh, United States Air Force, if you uh, are a veteran of the United States Air Force, if you would stand. Thank you for your service. God bless you. Do we have anyone here who served with the United States Coast Guard? Anyone at all? And the one that I think is most interesting, and if you're, if you're part of that, I'll, you and I want to I talk to you. The United States Space Force. Is there anyone that's part of that? Okay, I was hoping you, somebody would be here today. I could talk to them. Well, thank you so much for your service. Out of curiosity, I do want to ask this. Do we have any of our veterans, regardless of which branch you may uh, have served in, who served during wartime? If you served during wartime, would you stand? I would, I would like for us to be able to honor you as well. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. You know, I, I think we need to also pause for a moment just to say thank you to the military families uh, who, uh, who watched as their loved ones uh, stepped into that field of service. Uh, and you had to, uh, of course, uh, relinquish your hold on them for that period of time. And uh, we thank you, our military families, for supporting uh, your loved ones the way that you have and for standing with them and walking through that time of service with them. You too have given us a great sacrifice and you are very much appreciated for what you have done. I want to take just a moment to pray together as uh, we ask not only God's blessings over the men and women who are in this room who have served, but also for all the men and women who are currently serving around the world. There's a lot of our uh, military uh, personnel that are in places of grave danger where their lives uh, are, are, of course, uh, at stake, and we want to pray for them. Even those who may be serving in a peaceful environment, we want to pray for them because still, the United States of America is everyone's target. Uh, if you put on the uniform, you have a target on your back. We know that, and we want to pray for the safety of these men and women. So will you join me as we pray? Our Father and our God, we thank you for every person who was able to stand today and say that they have faithfully served in our nation's military. Thank you for their service, Lord. Thank you for the call that you placed upon their life as you led them into that, that place of special service. We thank you for their families, Lord, who, who stood supporting them as they went their way to serve and protect our country. Lord, we, we pray for those who are serving even today. Lord, we know that we have some of our own young men, young women who are in active uh, military duty. And we pray your protection over them. We pray, Father, that wherever our troops may be stationed, whether in places of grave danger or in places of security, Lord, that you watch over them, that you keep them safe, that you let them know that there is a nation that is grateful to them for their willingness to serve. And I pray, Father, that you'll continue to honor their service by allowing this country to remain free 
and enjoy the, the liberties and the privileges and the freedoms that we all enjoy. We ask you now, Father, just to pour out your grace upon them, upon their families. And Lord, again, thank you for the call that you've placed on their life. And we pray this this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, now I invite you all to please stand. Let's join together as we prepare our hearts and our minds to receive the message today. Oh. 
pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the grace that we've sung about this morning, Lord. And Lord, I just thank you for all the provisions in our lives that you give us, Lord. And God, I just ask that the tithes and offerings that's come in this week, Lord, that you would bless them and multiply them as only you can, Lord, just for using the building of your kingdom. Lord, be with Tommy as he brings your word to us today, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen. For your good singing this morning, I appreciate that so much, and it's good to see you here on this Lord's Day. If you have your Bibles, would you join me in the book of Colossians, 
uh, chapter number 1, the book of Colossians chapter number 1. I want to say thank you to our uh, building and grounds team. Uh, they went to work pretty quick and taking care of the uh, the wall. And uh, I don't know if you've noticed that it's down or not, but it opens up our uh, our platform greatly so that we can use it for uh, more things than what we have been able to use it for up to this point. Colossians chapter number 1. Today we're going to begin reading in verse number 1 as we begin a new series of messages today that uh, we're just simply going to call the real Jesus. Let's read Colossians chapter 1 beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, And Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love with which you have for all the saints. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, who is faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, as we come into this precious time that we have together when we open up the inerrant, the infallible, the inspired Word of God. We know, Lord, that the very author of this book is in our presence right now. And, Lord, we need your help so that we will do so much more than just have a Bible lesson today. But that these words that you have given to us may be inscribed upon our heart, transforming us, changing us and to the image of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that you give us ears to hear what you have to say to each of us individually, that today our concern will not be about what you are saying to others, but what you're saying to us. And Lord, that we will respond to you in a way that will be pleasing to you, that we will act in faith according to your word, That, Lord, you may be glorified in our life is our humble prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you are one of those who enjoy grammar, you will notice that what we read this morning in these eight verses 
was one continuous sentence. Now, Paul had a way of doing that. But it's because he was trying to draw our attention to something very important. The city of Colossae, where he's writing this letter to, was located about a hundred miles from the city of Ephesus. And we have no written record of uh, the Apostle Paul ever visiting the city of Colossae. Yet, amazingly, there is a body of born-again believers that are meeting in this city. Most scholars believe that this church was started by believers who traveled from Ephesus, 100 miles away, to this city. You see, Paul has spent three years in Ephesus teaching and preaching and discipling people and as they became knowledgeable of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they began to be called to ministry, called to do something with the gospel that they had been given, they began to spread out into the surrounding areas, sharing the good news that they had received. Many believe that this person we have mentioned in verse 7 by the name of Epaphras was most likely one of those who helped start this church. You see, Paul is writing this letter from a Roman prison. And Epaphras has visited him. And, and as he has come to bring greetings to, to the Apostle Paul and to minister to him in his imprisonment, he's brought some good news about this body of believers in this city called Colossae, a city that Paul had never had the opportunity to visit. He's bringing him the good news that Paul, listen, I know while you may have never been there personally and, and while there's really no record of any apostle visiting this city, we want you to know something, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is, is spreading and it has reached this city that we call Colossae. In fact, there's some who even believe that Epaphras may have been one of those who who helped start this church. But see there, while the gospel is spreading out, so is false teaching. And I want you to understand something today, that the gospel is still alive and true, and, and the gospel is still penetrating dark areas in our world and even in our county and in, 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 the, in the families that we know. The gospel is still just as strong as it has ever been and it's still just as effective as it's ever been and it's still being spread across the globe but with it so is false teaching the false teaching that had reached Colossae was really threefold one there was the legalism the Jewish legalists was had made their way there and they were rearing their ugly heads saying that you can't be, uh, you can't truly be saved and be right with God unless you become a Jew first and follow all of the rituals of the Jewish religion. Then there were the mystics that were teaching that a person had to rise to some kind of higher spirituality by having visions and being visited by angels. And by the way, that's, that belief is still being spread 
around the world today. Then there were those who were spreading the false doctrine of asceticism. And, and asceticism is just simply the practice of, of, of abusing yourself in an attempt to draw closer to God. Often these who practice asceticism, they would, they would fast. They would uh, practice celibacy. They would wear simple or uncomfortable clothing. They would practice poverty. They would practice sleep deprivation. And in the most extreme forms, they would even mutilate themselves. All of these false teachings were swirling around this city called Colossae. And the greatest danger from all three of these is that they collectively attack the deity of Jesus Christ. In other words, all three of these false teachings said, you don't really need Jesus. You can get to God another way. You can get through the legal system. You can get to Him. You can get to Him by rising through this spirituality that comes from the angels and visions and You can even get to God and have peace with God through just simply denying your body the the necessities of life. You don't need Jesus. Jesus is, is a good way to heaven. Jesus is a way to heaven, but He's not the way. That's what they taught. And that same... That same practice is growing in the culture that you and I live in right now. In fact, just last night, Rhonda and I pulled up to a stoplight and there was a vehicle in front of us. And the the back of the, the vehicle was plastered to the point of with all of these bumper stickers where you could barely even tell what color the vehicle was. And almost every single one of those bumper stickers defamed the name of Jesus Christ. Blatantly riding around in Stanley County, attacking, defaming, denying, the name of Jesus. The deity of Jesus is constantly being in our culture either denied or devalued. There are those who say you don't need Jesus to have peace with God. You can find it in your own way. And then there's others who say that Jesus is just no big deal. He's just not a big deal. You see, folks, I'm convinced that The Jesus that a lot of people say that they know and or serve in our culture today is a far cry from the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus being talked about today in no way resembles the real Jesus of Scripture. And our culture has tried to make Jesus a weak, helpless, clueless, religious fanatic. And as someone to be scoffed at and laughed at. Paul combats this false teaching by writing this letter to the church in Colossae. And in it, Paul's desire and design is to point them as believers, and not just them, but to the whole world, you and I today, to the real Jesus of the gospel. And he opens his letter by pointing out to two primary miracles that 
in the few minutes we have shared together today, I want to share with you because my prayer is that these two same miracles have happened in your life. And he's, he's pointing out that these miracles that can only be wrought about by the real Jesus of the gospel has taken place in the life of the believers here in Colossae. Well, that very first miracle is the very fact that they had received the gospel of Jesus Christ. Dr. Warren Wearsby points out this fact that the good news of the gospel was not native to their city. In other words, no apostle had ever visited their city preaching this gospel. It wasn't something that had been brought to them by some church official, by, by one of the, the twelve apostles or, or one of the, the, the growing group of the disciples in Jerusalem. And the very fact that they had received the gospel and that the gospel had reached their city was an amazing miracle. This man named Epaphras from the city of Colossae just happened to be in the city of, Epa- of, of uh, Ephesus, that is, a hundred miles away. He, he just happened to be traveling there in business, and, and he just happened to be in that city of Ephesus when a man named Paul came preaching the gospel. Think of the miracle of just that by itself, of all of the places that this man named Epaphras could have been, of all of the cities that Paul could have been preached in, they came together in the city of Ephesus. And as Paul is preaching and sharing the good news of the gospel, as he's discipling them and growing in their understanding and knowledge of who Jesus is, this man named Epaphras heard the good news of the gospel. It registered in his heart and, and, and he opened his heart and received that good news for himself. And then he and a fellow convert, a, a fellow believer by the name of Philemon. Remember that name? There's actually a book in the Bible addressed to him as well. But Epaphras and Philemon, two believers who just happened to be in the city of Ephesus where Paul was preaching, who, who just happened to hear Paul preach, received the gospel, and they, as they have been discipled as they're growing in their faith, they decided we need to do something with this good news. And they decided to carry it to the city of Colossae. Now, we got to remember something. They, they didn't have email and cell phones and televisions and radios. They couldn't just type out a quick email to the family of Epaphras back in Colossae and say, hey, let me tell you about this man named Jesus. They couldn't just sit down and type out a quick text and let me tell you about this man named Jesus. It wasn't that simple. They had to, with determination in their heart and with the desire to share the good news of the gospel, these men had to, had to travel that 100 miles, most likely by foot, back to a city called Colossae to share the good news. What an amazing miracle that is, that the gospel came to Colossae. That God moved on the heart of these born-again believers 
in Ephesus to carry that good news 100 miles away. These are not ordained ministers. These are not seminary trained men. These are, these are simply men who, who loved Jesus, who had embraced the gospel, who understood that Jesus was the only hope for the world and they wanted others to know about it. And that's what motivated them. To travel this 100 miles to the city of Colossae. What a, what a miracle it was. And Paul didn't want them to forget that miracle as he opens up his letter to them. And he's combating these, these false doctrines. He's, he's saying to them, don't forget that you have experienced a miracle. You've heard the truth. You've heard the real gospel about the real Jesus that makes a real difference in the lives of people. We are blessed in America. Man, I, I, I mean, you got seven-year-olds in first grade walking around with cell phones. <laughs> it, it's, it's not... It's not hard for us to access truth. But listen, it's not hard for us to access untruth as well. And the fact that you, sir, you ma'am, have had the privilege of hearing the real gospel about the real Jesus, who, who's not some weak lunatic, but is the divine, holy, majestic Son of the living God, who laid aside the glory of heaven and took upon Himself flesh and blood and walked among us, not because we deserved it, not because we earned it, but because He loved us. And He taught us the truth of who God is and he displayed for us the truth of who God is and then if that wasn't enough knowing that you and I were dead in our trespasses and sin and had no way out of our own he laid down his life for you and for me willingly giving himself to the cruel cross to be beaten, to be despised, to be humiliated, to be mocked, to be killed. But then on the third day, he rose again. That's the Jesus I serve. That's the Jesus that I serve. The one that the death and the grave couldn't hold him. The Jesus that is so powerful and so mighty and, and, and so majestic in who he is who, is, who is divine in every way that he can get up and walk out of a grave. That's the real Jesus. And we have heard the real truth. It's a miracle. See, I want us to understand what a glorious day it was when the gospel came to us as an individual. What a glorious day it was when the gospel came to me. Of all the billions in the world, a little country boy from Union County, North Carolina, received the greatest news ever told. What a, what a miracle. The good news of the Messiah, the rescuer, the deliverer, the Son of God has been brought to you. You have heard truth. What a miracle. So he reminds us, 
And he reminds the Colossians, the, the words, the people of Colossae, in these words of Colossians, don't forget that the real Jesus of the Bible is the real Jesus of the miracle that has been brought to you in the gospel. You have heard the truth. There are still people in this world who have never heard the name of Jesus. But you have. And that's a miracle. But then he mentions a second miracle. Not only had they received the gospel, they had believed the gospel of the real Jesus. What a miracle it was to receive it. But receiving the gospel isn't what saves us from our sin. Hearing the gospel and receiving it isn't just what it takes to deliver us from the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. We must believe the gospel. Millions have heard the gospel in their ears, but yet not believed. My guess is, and I don't know this for a fact, but if I had to guess, I would say that whomever was driving that truck yesterday that we saw with all of those bumper stickers, with all of the the defamation of Christ that was on it, my guess is somewhere, sometime, they've heard of Jesus. But many have not believed. The gospel may have entered their ears, but it never has been allowed to transform their heart. Yes, the good news of Jesus and His saving power must engage our minds, but we can't let it stop there. It's only when we exercise that free will that God has gifted to us and we surrender our life to Jesus, that's when salvation takes place. Sitting in a church, just sitting in a church does not save us. Singing a a song that is filled with gospel truth isn't what saves us. Sitting and listening to a preacher rant on for 20, 30, 40 minutes is what saves us. It is believing upon the Jesus of the gospel, the, the, the Jesus of the Bible. It is that surrender to Him as, as our Savior. It is that understanding that He is our only hope. He is our only help. He is, the, he is God in the flesh who has come to save us. And in surrendering our life to Him, that must be what transforms our heart. And Paul points to that transformation. He says, here's how I know that you've, you've heard of the real Jesus and that you've received the real gospel. Here's how I know. Because you're growing in your faith of Jesus. Not just that, but you're expressing your love for all the other believers. Can, can, I, can I tell you something you already know? Christians can be hard to love sometimes. Amen? But it takes the true gospel of Jesus that helps us to love people past their brokenness and their fallenness and to love other believers. They, they had an eternal hope in heaven. And he says, These, this is the proof that you've received the real gospel, the miracle that you've received the real gospel and that you believe the real gospel. And these things only take place when your heart has been transformed by the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
for a sinner like me to be transformed by the gospel of Jesus is a miracle. Can I tell you something? No matter how good you may have been and moral you may have been, if you receive the gospel and you believe the gospel, you, sir, you, ma'am, are a miracle. Wow. The point Paul's trying to make is this. A devalued Jesus, a weak Jesus, a clueless Jesus can never have such a powerful gospel. The power of the gospel is found in the person of the gospel. Jesus is the focal point of all things. We're going to hear in, Col- in the book of Colossians as he says he helped he, he, was, he, he was there in the creation of all things, and all things were created by Him and for Him. And all things are sustained through Him. Jesus is the center of everything. And if He's weak and He's devalued and, and we take the deity away from Him, then you and I, folks, listen, if we take away the deity of Jesus, we're hopeless. And that's what the world wants to do. They want to rob Jesus of his majesty and his power. But these very attributes of Jesus are what makes the miracles that we've mentioned possible. So I, I want to ask you that today and, and in our time going forward, I want you to examine yourself and I want you to ask yourself this question. Who is the Jesus that I serve? Does he match the Jesus of the gospel? Or does he match the Jesus of the culture? You see, the Jesus of the gospel can be unpopular because who he is and the truth that he brings often cuts against the grain of our preferences. Our personal opinions. So I I want you to examine your life, your faith. Who is the Jesus that you serve? So here's my question to you today as we end our time together this morning. Have you received and have you believed the gospel of the real Jesus? Have you surrendered your life? To him and allowed the Holy Son of God to transform your heart. Have you allowed the one who could simply say, Let there be, and there was, to come into your life? Have you, are you worshiping and surrendering your life to the one who can walk out of a grave after being dead for three days? Have you? received it and have you believed it in just a moment we'll stand together we'll sing together this is our opportunity to kind of decide what we're going to do with with what we've heard today i'll be honest with you prior to coming to christ in 1987 i i'll be honest with you i I'd heard about Jesus, and I'd heard about Jesus, and I'd heard about Jesus, but Jesus was just a 
a religious figure to me. He was someone that we sang about and we talked about, maybe even prayed to. That's all he was. It wasn't until the gospel penetrated my heart. And I not only received it, began to believe it. That's when Jesus became real to me. Today, who is Jesus to you? Is he just someone you sing about? Is he just someone you read about in your Bible? Is he just someone that you hear talked about? Is he he just someone that's part of a religious figure to you? If he is, then folks, I'm telling you, you're missing the miracle of the gospel. He wants to transform your heart in today's today to move from just receiving the gospel to believing the gospel. It may be that you need to bow your head right where you are and just pray these words, Oh God, I am a sinner. And I can't save myself. There's nothing I can do to deliver myself from my brokenness. But Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of the living God. I believe you conquered death, hell, and the grave. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe that you paid the penalty and the price so that I I could be set free. And Lord Jesus, today, I surrender my life to you. Transform me. Change me. It may be that you need to pray that prayer today. And for the first time, not just know about Jesus but know Him. That's my prayer for you today if you don't, haven't already done so. I'll be here to pray with you, pray for you. If, if you need me to, I'll be here. But today's a day to decide which Jesus do you serve. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, thank you for your Word that is alive and active, for your Word that is truth, Lord, this world that we live in from the beginning to now has tried everything they can do to soil the name of Jesus. To rob you, Lord Jesus, of your deity, your divinity, your power, your might, your majesty. Lord, I pray that today the truth of the gospel that there's a Savior who is greater than all of our sin, who is God in the flesh who came and dwelt among us and died for us as individuals to pay the penalty that we could never pay, to purchase for us something that we could never purchase for ourselves, freedom from our sin and a right standing with our Heavenly Father. I pray, Father, if there's one that doesn't know the Jesus who can conquer death, hell, and the grave, that today is the day they come to know him personally. That we surrender our lives to you and you alone. That you may be glorified in us and through us. Lord, help us to receive it and believe it today is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together as we sing together.
Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. God bless you. If no one's told you yet today, can I be the first one to tell you I love you? And I appreciate the church that you are. Uh, Our church was honored last night in a banquet with several hundred people uh, for what you have allowed God to do through you in building a house there in Malawi, Africa. And uh, we're preparing to put a group together to go back in June. If you'd like to travel uh, with that group, just let us know and we'll We'll work to help you raise the funds to do so. Don't forget next Sunday, when we say amen next Sunday, we're going we're gonna to eat together. That's, that's what good Baptists and Christians do. We eat together. And we're going to do that next Sunday. I hope you'll be able to stay and eat with us. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you're a member of our church or not. That's irrelevant. We want you to stay in fellowship and eat with us. So I hope that you'll plan to do that. Let's pray together as we are dismissed. Oh, that's right. We're praying over the boxes tonight. I, I, pr- I appreciate y'all keeping me straight. We do want to pray over these shoe boxes because these will be packaged in cases tomorrow and begin making their way to the processing center. And uh, so we do want to pray over these, and I thank you for reminding me. And uh, so uh, what we're, I'm just going to ask you to do where you are, if, if you want to do so, just kind of extend your hand toward the boxes. I'm going to place my hands on the boxes, and uh, we're going to pray God's blessings over them, that each child that receives one of these boxes will come to know Jesus personally because of your, your graciousness and your goodness in donating these boxes. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, thank you so much for your son Jesus, who makes all things possible. Thank you for the opportunity to know you, Lord, and to serve you. Lord, I I pray for each one of these shoeboxes that are gathered here today and for the many more that will be added to them. Lord, you already know personally and intimately every child that's going to receive one of these boxes. And Lord, how I pray that as they open this box up that they receive so much more than just a toy or a gift, but they receive your love and the truth of your gospel. Lord, may these boxes be filled with the gospel that young men, young ladies all over the world, Lord, they come to know you personally. Lord, we we just ask you to already be at work in the lives of those children that will, will receive them, that they'll be open to hearing the truth when it's presented to them. Thank you for those who so graciously gave of their resources and time and energy to make these boxes happen. Lord, thank you for those who have put them together. We thank you for the many more that will flow through our church in the coming week. For every person, Lord, who who helps with the process, whether it's receiving these boxes or packing them in the cases or delivering them to their next destination. Lord, I pray your blessings over them. May they too be blessed for their part in participating in this gospel outreach. Lord, before we close today, I want to pray for the person who was driving that truck this week, the one who had all of the blasphemous stickers. Lord Jesus, you love that individual. You died for that person. You shed your rich red royal blood so that they could be delivered from darkness. 
And Lord, it's obvious that the prince of this world, the one who seeks to destroy the every person who bears the image of God, has blinded their eyes, has deceived their heart. And how I pray, O oh God, for the salvation of that person, that someone will love them enough to share the truth of the gospel, that they'll come to know the real Jesus, and that, Lord, they'll understand that all of those things that have been printed on all of those stickers were never true to begin with, and that the real Jesus loves them. Father, dismiss us now with your great love. Fill each home with your peace. And may this week be a week where you live in us and through us to glorify your name. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. And we are dismissed. Thank you for coming.